Welcome to Backwash. I am John from AdamRiff.com. And I am Adam, Twitter handle Zombieologist. And it is Thanksgiving week. I was just at Chipotle and it was literally empty. There was just a, a homeless guy inside, one homeless guy eating. And I wondered, it, you know, is it Thanksgiving week or... Or, or is, is it, it the E. coli, is it e. coli situation? Because usually Chipotle is packed on Sunday night, and tonight it was what do you call those tumbleweeds? Yeah. Uh, uh, oddly tum- enough, we had it tonight too, and ours was very empty. <laughs> yeah. So, go figure. Okay. So this week, five thirty-eight published a survey. They surveyed people about Thanksgiving food. One of the things they surveyed people on was about the most uh, the most disproportionately common Thanksgiving side dish. Uh, what's your favorite side dish? And so, based on the respondents in the northeast, it was squash. Which okay, in the southeast it was mac and cheese. Uh, in Texas and Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, it was cornbread. In Big Ten country, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, it was biscuits which are do you consider biscuits to be a side dish i think maybe they're just dumb they don't know what a side is and then in the northern midwest uh green beans slash casserole (laughs) and then you have the west coast who answered salad and salad well this is not just this is not just like you know washington oregon and california this is your state too yep tana Basically, every state west of Texas answered salad as their favorite Thanksgiving side dish. Do you think they could be talking about like green bean? Is a green bean salad a thing? I know what they're talking about. There, there's when you say salad, it's obviously not like a green salad. I mean, I'm sure that's par- probably part of it, but they mean like I like a potato people, salad. People make they make stuff like a broccoli salad and throw a bunch of weird shit in there. So I'm sure that's what they're con- they're referring all right. to. All those weird salads. But it seems really funny that's about like it, that's that whole corner, whole half of the Basically, yeah, it's there. like 12 states yeah. including Alaska oh, and Hawaii. And Hawaii they're, yeah. they're into salad too. And then they also surveyed people about dessert. Some people said apple pie, okay. Some people said pecan pie and sweet potato pie, okay. And then the western states said cherry pie, which I don't really associate cherry pie with thanksgiving but i I guess some people are 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 buying cherry pie i would say pumpkin seems to be what i always remember having over here but yeah my dad always buys pumpkin let's let's moving on speaking of montana uh there was a tidbit my friend saw in a newspaper in the northeast that said montana fun the town of drummond montana sponsors the annual flapjack race where rules dictate that you must build a fire and cook an edible pancake, all while keeping your untied mule next to you at all times. Have you heard anything about this? I've never heard of this before. I'm actually looking up where Drummond is right now, just because that is not a place I'm familiar with, living in Montana even. I'm trying to figure out where it is. It is four hours away from me, four and a half hours away. So near the border or? No, it's on the way to, looks like Missoula. 
So I've, I've been through there. I guess I'd never stopped there before. Okay, this doesn't seem very hard, though, because I, I wonder if you have to actually make the pancake batter while well, keeping I'm, the mule next to you. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what the challenge is here. I mean, you, it says, what, build a fire? You got to build a fire. So yeah. if it's like Survivor, they don't give you anything to build the fire with. No flint. So maybe that's that's part of it. Untie you have to, mule. <laughs> you, have to, you have to build the fire with, with no flint, maybe a magnifying glass. And then you have to cook an edible pancake. I guess it's hard. I, I wonder how long this would take. Like, what happens if your mule runs off? I'm guessing you lose. You're you're done. disqualified, or is it like a time penalty where you have to go get the mule and you get to come back and resume? I mean, yeah, is this a timed? Is this a time thing? Because it says flapjack race, so I mean, you. I, yeah, I assume it's, I, I assume it's the first time. guy who can do it. I I assume like once the mule runs off, you have to stop everything. You can resume when the mule comes back, or you get you gather it back up. There are questens here like do you have to cook the pancake on the fire you build and it does specify what happens, edible what happens if your like mule runs off while your your pancake is on the grill and you overcook the pancake uh, <laughs> then you have because it says edible pancake right yep did you see did you read a little bit further on that screen that shot of there the other stuff yeah that, like, there's like the pig races under, that i actually know about I know people who do that. It every says year. Bear Creek's 50 residents hold. This apparently is an article about stuff that happens in Montana. So it says Bear Creek's 50 residents hold pig races each summer. Pigs are tended by sow boys. Yeah, and you you go and you bet on these little pigs, and they race around, and you win money. I've never done oh, so, it. Oh, so they're not riding the pigs? No, you don't ride them. They're just little pigs, and they put little colored like jerseys on them, and then you bet you bet money oh. on them. I picked the red one, and they do a race, and you can win. Okay, so premiering December 2nd on True TV is a reality competition called Santas in the Barn, according to the press release. It's a search for the nation's best Santa. Ten Santas from across the country are brought to live in a barn where they will compete in an array of Christmas challenges meant to discover who most lives the Santa way. While living out their Santa dreams, these would-be Kris Kringles will vote on who most exemplifies the Christmas spirit, with the last one standing, winning the title of America's Best Santa. I like the idea of Santas assessing each other's Christmas spirit (laughs) when they're voting each other out. I was wondering why... They were living in a barn. I discovered this week that Santa's in the barn filmed in Montana in a whitefish. Yep. You know where that is? Yes, I do. So I assume there's n- there's no sound stages there. And they probably, it's true TV, so they probably didn't have money to build like a North Pole. So they just found a barn to stuff all the Santas in. There the name comes from, from that. Yeah. Which is not a it, good name still. It's weird. I read that they filmed in March this year. So, you know, imagine living in Whitefish and <laughs> seeing all these Christmas events going on in March when the show's not even going to air for another nine months. You know, they have to fluff it up with snow, so I'm curious if it was they were able to haul haul in the snow they need to make it look a little bit more wintry or... Because March is pretty mild in most places. Yeah, I remember like the, the, the show Top Chef, they did a Thanksgiving episode. Anthony Bourdain was a judge and they had to make like Thanksgiving food. But they filmed it in July in Los Angeles. So they had to pretend that Anthony Bourdain was coming for Thanksgiving because it, it was going to air during Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Also, this week, I discovered more details on the the challenges for Santas in the Barn. I just want to go through them a bit. Sleigh riding. That makes sense. Santa, Santa challenge. My question is, this isn't, how, how do you compete in sleigh riding? And I'll, you know, 
you can't control whoever's and i don't know did they get reindeer to pull the sleigh there's no way they did that seems like a logistical nightmare so basically this this challenge is testing how much you can control animals right because you're not really doing anything when you're riding a sleigh you're just sitting there Everything's dictated by what's pulling you. So uh, this is one of those like luck challenges. Basically, if you have good animals, you win. You win this challenge. Santa's got to get around. So all right, gingerbread house building. I like this challenge. That seems like you could have some skill in that. It's yeah. like building a cake. It's a fair challenge. Yeah. And next one is gift wrapping, which it's Take hard. Skill. Gift wrapping is harder than it seems. Yeah. There's two things that I simply struggle to do. One of them is tying a tie, and the other is gift wrapping. Rather, wrapping cylindrical items like a burrito or a cheesesteak. I just, I just can't. My brain can't process how to wrap them, and they ended up looking like giant candies, where you just like twist off the twist, ends. Twist the ends, like a Smarties wrapper sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the gift wrapping challenge, they should give him like, uh, like a rocking horse to gift wrap, right? Give him some tougher things to gift wrap than boxes. The next one is milk and cookie chugging. Now, don't you vomit after you drink like a certain amount of milk? I think most people do. I think it makes you sick pretty easily. Would me, anyways. So I'm not sure how you go about doing this challenge. <laughs> I think the the cookie really dictates how how well this challenge works because if it's like a, a hard I assume the cookies are chocolate chip cookies if it's like a chips ahoy yeah. I think it's harder than something softer and the last one is chimney climbing I, wonder, I just doubt go ahead I wonder well this this is about the most physical one in the list and I yeah mean, like, San, Santas are typically pretty big dudes and so I wonder if it's like a giant chimney <laughs> If it's like a closet, closet-sized chimney, and if they have those those rocks that you use when you're rock climbing, yeah, rock climbing to rocks help inside the of Santa's it. out. Yeah. So we'll be interested to see how Santa's in the barn. And, and you're gonna goes. keep you're gonna you're gonna watch this and keep us up to date a little bit, right? Yeah. Just it's just another show that I need to. Well, fortunately, like stuff's clearing up in December, so that, so that's December second, running through Christmas Eve. Very exciting. So you'll and, find out who that true Santa is. Right, yeah. Right when um, you need to know. And then also this week, True TV, home of Santa's in the Barn, announced pi- some pilots in development. And one of them is John Glazer Loves Gear. John Glazer, star of Delocated and better known as Councilman Jam on Parks and Recreation. I wonder how, I wonder if Parks and Recreation hurt his image somewhat. I know some people found him unbearable. Because they were unfamiliar with him before Parks and Rec. Right, because he was basically doing his character on Delocated. I wonder if he was a good fit on that show. So John Glazer Loves Gear. It's the title of a new hybrid show. In the pilot, John runs his first big trail 10K. As excited as he is about the race, his training takes a backseat to his love of looking at gear, shopping for gear, wearing gear, and talking about gear. That's what happens when you love gear like John Glazer loves gear. And this was not a personality trait I, I was aware of with him i didn't know he was a gear junkies this is very surprising to me it's a hybrid show which means there's some fiction to set up like him running this race but i assume most of the show is just him going shopping for running gear what, <laughs> do we follow him into a sports store and he looks how i don't know well, how maybe like work. maybe like every episode he's doing a different activity so the first episode he's running and the second episode maybe he's doing a bicycle ride and then the third episode he goes hiking or something he goes camping 
camping. And we see him gear up for all this. <laughs> yeah, the whole show is just him buying gear, just going shopping. And I we'll just, just watch him go shopping. I couldn't peg somebody to pick. I just, I don't know how this is John Glazer's deal. Like, I could get it if it was like Bear Grylls doing this. Yeah, and he, that he created makes, the show, so that it's his sense. idea. That makes sense watching him do that. But John Glazer... I don't also, know. Also, this show is produced by PFFR, who did uh, Wonder Shows In and Delocated, and, you know, who are better known for Adult Swim sensibilities. So that will be interesting. What I'm looking for the most is to see their touch on it, and hopefully it's just ridiculous and kind of weird. Glazer also has another show premiering December 7th called Neon Joe Werewolf Hunter. I don't know anything about this. It looks good. That's all. Just watched so, the trailer for like the third time before we loaded this up, and it was okay, even more so ridiculous the third time. It's it's live action, like delocated. Yes, he, I assume he plays a werewolf. <laughs> he plays he play, a werewolf. He plays hunter. what sounds to be a Cajun werewolf hunter. Uh, okay. Who's supposed to be known, and I don't think anybody knows who he is. Why they're bringing him in, I don't know. Looks like the werewolves are slightly alien. Somebody's eyes were glowing in the trailer. It's John Glazer wearing a neon outfit with a Cajun accent, I think is going to be pretty good. Oh, and Steve Serbus is back as a sheriff. Serbus was, I'm trying to find his name, Sergey on Delocated. Oh, yep. Uh, yep. So, so this is exciting. So Neon Joe, Werewolf Hunter, Adult Swim is airing it December 7th or December 11th, one episode a night. So it's just five episodes. And uh, we'll look forward to that too. Santa's in the Barn and Neon Joe, Werewolf Hunter. I was looking through tweets <laughs> About uh, Nathan for you Thursday night. I found this user named Discord at Discord, and I clicked on it and went through his tweets. And he turned me on to the show that just premiered this past week, December November thirteenth, on Discovery Family. I've never heard of this channel, but now that ABC Family is rebranding as Freeform, I guess Discovery can corner or take over the family market. This show, Blazing Team, is an animated series. It's a Chinese-American co-production. And let's see here. Ordinary teens are about to recognize the extraordinary capabilities they have within when Yo Kwando master Lao Shi with his pet duck, Taco, takes him under his wing to collectively combat the growing darkness. Imparting his infinite wisdom, Lao Shi teaches his new apprentices the awesome power of yo Do, a practice that blends the skill of the yo-yo with the power of martial arts. <laughs> I, what, what I wonder, like, at here? how <laughs> I wonder how effective yo-yoing is coupled with martial arts. How impactful could like a cat's cradle be? That's the that's the only yo-yo trick I know. I, I assume, I guess, it could be effective if you're fighting someone. Yeah, you kind of always just do like the forward pass, and that's just like throwing it forward and hitting things, and that seems to be the hitting move. someone. That's the move. This cartoon is based on a Chinese series called Blazing Teens which is a Chinese television show created in 2006. According to Wikipedia, the show focuses on high schools that hold yo-yo contests. The schools construct teams and participate in competitions to win against other schools. Each team has their own conflict and issues that they solve. And this is a live-action series. Based on the description, it sounds like Degrassi with, with people yo who yo-yo. Yo-yo competition? <laughs> yeah. And I was not aware of the show, but apparently it's... The biggest boys brand in China. This live action show that inspired the, the animated series about kids 
fighting darkness with martial arts and yo-yoing. Is that one also brought to us by Hasbro Studios as well? No, 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 no. I think Hasbro watched the live action show because the live action show just appears to be like teen drama among people who yo-yo. Okay. And then the cartoon is something very different. I assume crafted to sell toys yes, to sell yo-yos. Hasbro has a has a link to obviously toys and they are part of a company that distributes yo-yos. Okay, so I'm I'm reading the synopsis on Wikipedia for season three of the live action Blazing Teens, and it says Throughout this season there is a constant mention about, quote, the true meaning of yo-yoing, unquote, which is something about enjoying and having fun rather than yo-yoing is for tools. Not tools like dorks, but tools as in like hammers and weapons. Okay. So anyway, we'll see how Yo Kwando performs in America. I think it would be better if it was like, it sounds like a Netflix show. Um, well, it'll be I don't know if it, it'll be the, I don't know if anyone's going It'll be the start of the next yo-yo boom that we missed out yeah. on in 1999. Mockingjay Part 2. I saw it over the weekend. You've only seen the first one, right? Yeah. The first one is a, a, is a game show. They, they they have to survive the Hunger Games. And the second one is an all-star version of the same game show. So it's all the past winners, they play the game again. And then the third one, which was split into two parts, part one didn't have a game show, which disappointed me. <laughs> and then the second one, the, the thrust of the film is that they're going to kill Donald Sutherland's character, who is behind the Hunger Games. They only want to get around to that after there's been three other movies in between. Well, I mean, they're kind of powerless until the third film, the okay. third out of fourth films, right. when they when they start developing like a rebel alliance. So in, in Mockingjay Part 2, they go into the city where Donald Sutherland lives, Snow lives, and Snow decides, okay, I'm going to booby trap the city. So it's like a game, game show. show. Oh, so the city becomes becomes the challenge. Right. They have this device that kit that has mapped out all the booby traps that they know of. And it's just like filled with dots. So it looks like the whole city is booby trapped. And so I'm sitting there wondering, how did he booby trap the city? <laughs> so quickly and so um, so, so effectively just effect, blanketing effect, cuz the, the, the traps that he sets are serious traps it's not uh, a hole in the ground covered with some like leaves and sticks no 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 like at one point they go into this courtyard and the courtyard is sealed off and like oil pours into the courtyard <laughs> intent on drowning them how do you do that in a city where people are living you know it's an inhabited um, city still with the traps around them it's still inhabited they don't like go well, somewhere the, else the, the, the only real part of the city you see is they, they land in the out at the outskirts of the city and it seems to be like a war zone so it's 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 basically abandoned maybe he, he just, maybe this that's a lot of abandoned city to be booby trapping but you know maybe maybe that's how it is but you, you don't really see them actually traverse the city that much because they decide oh we're just going to go into the sewers <laughs> to get to the, the snow's snow's mansion yeah. quicker and so they, so they go into the sewers and they are greeted by are you watching ash versus evil dead i've only made it a couple minutes in the first episode i got interrupted okay. so Have, do you remember the video for apex twin come to daddy yeah they're greeted in the sewer by these monsters who look like the monster in that apex twin video maybe i just wasn't paying attention to the previous three films but i don't know where these monsters come from there's no origin there's no origin that you're aware of for, there's no for origin they just show up in the sewer to attack and kill a bunch of people <laughs> and then they're never mentioned again and then 
the film ends and it feels like there are 10 endings this film it's very Re- return of the king is that the third one yeah lord of the rings it's very lord of the rings where they just didn't know how to end it so they ended it 10 different times my verdict on this film is i wish there were more booby tra- i wish we saw more booby traps because you said or, they skipped all of them pretty much in so there, there's the first booby trap is a lot of fire so i'm gonna burn you alive and the second booby trap is guns that come out and shoot fire bullets for like a minute and then they have the booby trap where the courtyard closes off and a bunch of oil pours in and then they go into the sewer i guess that's a booby trap these monsters and then after they crawl out of the sewer they get into like a subway station and the floor just collapses on them that's it there's like five booby traps that you see and they're not the most ingenious booby traps so i wish there were more booby traps because i love films about game shows that's why i dug the first one and then the second one because i wanted to see what you know traps or twists uh, they were going to be what happened. Again. So I w- I've been meaning to do a post on my on my website about films about game shows because <laughs> I really do love them. And most of them usually follow the most dangerous game, which is a short story format of a man hunting another man. Yeah, There's a lot of those. I think Stone Cold Steve Austin is in one. And then you have the Battle Royale is also people hunting, people killing each other. Yeah. Running Man. Uh, that's why I also love the, the Maze Runner, uh, which is very much like the Hunger Games, did except you, it's did, a Have maze. you seen the second one? There's I haven't seen the second one oh, okay. cheap thrills did it come out last year yeah i don't remember have that. you seen cheap thrills i haven't that's also good i maybe it's it says a lot about me that i like to see these movies about people debasing themselves <laughs> to stay alive and the sleeper one is a thai film called 13 beloved uh, which i saw some years back it's about a guy being forced to do a bunch of things they, they actually have the list of the things he's supposed to do on wikipedia the 13 things uh, is there the 13, 13 the, the 13 things and then I see you got White Bear in there, which is, I assume, the Black Mirror episode. The Black Mirror episode, yeah. yeah. Um, that That's why, I you know, I love that episode, too. So anyway, like, Beloved 13 is tasked. It starts out kind of innocuously, kill a fly, and then <laughs> goes into swallow the fly make three children cry, beat up a beggar and take his money, eat a place, eat a plate of feces served to him in a Chinese restaurant, etc., etc. And it is quite an audacious ending. Check it out. Well, yeah, because if step number four or five is eat poop, I can only imagine where it goes from there. I was going to put Stay Tuned on this. Do you remember the movie Stay Tuned where like John Ritter <laughs> gets trapped in uh, a television and yeah. he has to survive a bunch of TV shows? Because it gets animated and stuff, doesn't it? When they flip through yeah, like, yeah, the channels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure that's a game game show there is a game show in the film but that gets flipped through yeah i have a work retreat in los angeles in two weeks during one of our team calls one co-worker began raving about escape rooms and how much she loved escape rooms at least it's not a wine now, and paint event no and now now my boss is intent on us all doing an escape room while we're at this retreat as a team bonding exercise i'm not thrilled about it have you done one I, yet I haven't done one yet, and the price is $30 a person to do this escape room. So my thing about escape rooms is I just don't feel like there's anything to gain from doing an escape room. If, if, if you don't succeed, you just feel stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like there was a show on television this summer called Race to Escape. It was six episodes on the Science Channel, and it was an escape room game show. So it was two teams in identical escape rooms. And you watch them. And they, yeah, and they'd complete out. five challenges to escape the room. And they did... 
first of all, the show didn't give away a lot of money and they started deducting money for time spent on challenges, which I thought seemed a little unfair. <laughs> so the most people want would be like $1,000 split among three people. But, you know, Science Channel, second tier yeah. cable show. But I, I did enjoy watching the show because one team would be so stupid and just couldn't progress at all. And the other team would be really good. <laughs> and and that's how I feel would happen in Escape Room for me. It's are either you, feast or famine. Are you worried you're not going to be able to help and figure it out and you're just going to feel dumb? Yeah, <laughs> because I play these escape. Have you ever played these escape games online where it's like it's like a computer game. It's a picture of a room and you have to click around and try to figure out how to open the door to the room. I haven't played one, no. Oh, they're called like 100 Rooms. Okay. There's a bunch of variations on this. 100 Rooms, and you have to go through each room and try to figure out how to escape. Inevitably, I get to a room where it's just like, I'm clicking around, and I don't know what to do, and I have to like go on GameFAQs or like Google how to escape this room. And the, the, you know that's, that, that's, that's my fear of, this, of doing this escape room. I, I just don't want to be there, you know, just no. stumped. That can make it, you feel just, dumb really easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I feel feel like that's what's going to happen because these escape room challenges a lot of them are really oblique like they, they think they're pointing you in the right direction but but you're just totally missing it because it's actually really not that well set up or yeah yeah and, and that's why when you watch the show race to escape you see like they've come up you know with really brainy challenges and you sit there going i would never figure that out well it's one thing when you're you're building the the escape route backwards for someone to figure out versus actually going through it forwards to figure it out. Those are two very different things. And also with like escape rooms, I I think I tweeted, I did tweet, I tweeted uh, earlier this year about how escape rooms are the new CrossFits in that every city I visit there, I see I see a, uh, an escape room or two. I wonder if there's like a governing body of escape room <laughs> building because it's not like a franchise and you th- so you think you can just go and buy a package it'd be pretty smart actually if somebody did franchise it you just go buy the package right, and right because like this in this the, room the, the, the puzzles aren't standardized so you don't know who's coming up with these puzzles they could be really devious or they could be really they could be really dumb <laughs> it's like bar trivia because you can go and buy a package and then just run trivia at your bar they give you all the stuff you need you should do yeah I, I think room. i think it's inevitable that someone's going to franchise escape rooms right some entrepreneur is going to it's going to come up with instructions of how to set up an escape room and you people just buy buy his puzzles this kind of makes me upset that uh, we didn't get a chance to try the one we have here when you were visiting yeah you you have one there and I feel like, oh, come on. Yeah, the if, one in Billings, how smart can it be? If, there, if there's no an offense. escape room in Billings, Montana, they're everywhere then. Okay, Jessica Jones, second of four Marvel series coming to Netflix or, or premiere, premiering on Netflix or running on Netflix. I don't know the word. I'm I just trying to think. Either or. Airing on Netflix. Let's say that. And you've seen four episodes of Jessica Jones, yes. Yeah, I've seen all of them. The the phrase is Netflix and chill, but I find Netflix shows to be work because if you want to be a part of the conversation, the conversation for Netflix shows is the whole it's, run. It's it's the whole run, but it's also the weekend it drops. It's like blockbuster film. No one cares after the first weekend. You know, no one's talking about narcos anymore. Yeah, it's time has passed or something else. Right, right. So you basically have a short window if you want to participate in the conversation to watch these shows. And when I click on an episode and I see the running time is 52, epi- 52 minutes, I just go, ugh. Especially 
when there's 13 episodes of Jessica Jones and you think it's 11 to 13 hours, right? Like Mockingjay Part 2, that was like two and a half hours. That's fine. I can go see it opening week. But Jessica it, Jones, you, it's you still just think long. about it. It's a still long movie. It's, it's actually I, I, feeling I, kind I, of I short up, to you now since it's just one and done. I, I woke up at 8 a.m. on Saturday, yesterday. Now, now everyone knows when we record this. Uh, I woke up at 8 a.m. on Saturday, and my first thought was, oh, I got to finish Jessica Jones. And, that, and so I was like half sleeping through the the, the, the final three episodes just because I needed to get, I needed to get through it so I'd be able to talk about it so I'd be able to understand what people are talking about and avoid spoilers right and Master of None was a little easier because it was only ten episodes and they were shorter thirty minutes yeah. yeah and so I feel like I feel like Jessica Jones in particular could have been a film I don't think it needed to be thirteen episodes <laughs> it's feel, uh, it's feeling pretty drawn out in about four right now yeah because it's basically about a spurned lover. It's basically about Kilgrave is Adele, and he's he, he still has feelings for Jessica Jones, and he, he has feelings for thirteen episodes. He's and sing, I feel he's like singing a song for thirteen episodes. Really yeah, I, I feel like this would play better as a two-hour film. And I, I mean, just going forward, I I think Marvel should consider cutting back the episode order to ten episodes. Ten would have worked Maybe a lot better for Daredevil too. Yeah, yeah, or like Ash vs. Evil Dead is only thirty minutes, which is a little odd. But maybe do that: thirteen episodes, thirty minutes. It's long because we're going to get into spoilers. There is padding in Jessica Jones, the lawyer character with the lesbian ex. Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, she she basically, when you see the whole thing, she basically, the only purpose she serves is to let Kilgrave get away <laughs> one time. That's it. But she, she, she has this terrible subplot with her lesbian ex. It's like the worst of 24. And then the the cop, Nuke, he is only in, it seems, to give Jessica access to a room that she uses for an interrogation. That's it. This whole series could just have been Jessica, her friend, Patsy or Trish, Trish. And, and and Kilgrave. That's all you need. And they just they just stretch it out. And and the cop, I call him Nuke because I I, I googled him and apparently he's a villain char- he becomes a villain character. And the, the the cop, he shows up. There's a turn in the series where he's still around but you never see him doing cop work anymore. And I found that odd. He's just uh, done. He quit. And a- anyway, back to Jessica Jones length i feel like the reason that it stretched out so long is that jessica doesn't want to let anyone kill themselves because kilgrave says kill yourself if she was willing to sacrifice a few lives she could have just captured and killed kilgrave in like three episodes but she sticks to this code and in sticking to this code it seems like more people die <laughs> because of because it? she's sticking to this code then would have died if she just let a few people die to get to Kilgrave. Sacrifice Maybe, a few to it, save many. Yeah, it's, it's an ideological opinion about how a super a superhero should operate. And then also, I feel like there's a sameness with the character. I'm just airing my grievances right now. I feel like there's a sameness with the characters in the show. Jessica Jones's power is that she's strong. And then Luke Cage's power is that he's strong. <laughs> And the cop's power is that he's strong. It's just a bunch of strong people. And I don't, I don't know how compelling that is, especially as like superhero conception. Well, Daredevil's just kind of a strong athletic guy for the most part, too. I mean, he has enhanced abilities because of his blindness. He's mainly just kind of strong and good at fighting, if you really break it down. Right. And so the, so the next 
Netflix series is Luke Cage. And then the one after that is Iron Fist, I- Iron Fist yeah. who is just a martial artist. I don't What, if any, powers will carry over, I don't know. Yeah. They, they and then I, I, wasn't un- un- I wasn't aware that uh, Marvel was doing the Avengers thing with its... T- with its Netflix series in that after all four series premiere, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist will appear in a miniseries about the Defenders. Which I was unaware of any of those being members of the Defenders from what I knew a long time ago. Right, and so you just think about like, okay, you have someone who's strong, and then you have someone who's strong, and you have someone who's a bl- like a blind Batman, and then you have someone who can do martial. You have two people who can do martial arts, and two people who are strong. It's not the not the most exciting superhero team. Well, and Jessica Jones, I I believe she can actually fly in the comics. So they've stripped her of ability of flight and just made her jump. Well, she she can jump high. She can jump jump and relatively softly. high. Sometimes it looks like she's struggling to jump onto a garbage can and then other times she can jump up to a fire escape with ease there's a little bit of it's it's a little off and let's talk about luke cage he's in addition to being strong his skin is impenetrable and i was thinking about this if his skin is impenetrable how did he grow his goatee <laughs> this is like it's a, legit, this it's is a like, legit question this is like supergirl and her earrings that people are bitching about uh, well, like did she get her ears ra- pierced on skin raises on? so many questions in that he's not immortal right and so what if he has cancer how do doctors operate on him they can't or, just cut him open yeah they can't cut him open how did he and, grow his beard well his goatee and and also like does he get acne no right no I got, and and uh, does he feel pain does his impenetrable skin feel pain well because like he, he takes that buzz. Not, he takes that saw to him, his, that circular saw to himself, and, and he doesn't. Re- and he doesn't react. No, so he must not feel anything. People always talk about how a, a power they want is not to feel pain, which is like the worst power to have because you you want to feel pain, so you know it's actually. It's if you're bleeding out or something. Yeah, it's actually a disease you can have, and it's super dangerous because you don't know if something's wrong. Like, you break your arm and you don't know it's broken. Like, yeah. And you continue on with your day, and then all of a sudden you have, like, a major wound that is... And you've let it go for a, two weeks or a month or two years. Or, it's not a good so, power. It's a lame power. So some finishing thoughts on Jessica Jones. I was struck by... I didn't think about it since Daredevil, but how, how adult the Marvel Netflix series are. I just picture parents... Just being taken aback, watching it with their children. Well, when it has it's the Marvel, like, the Marvel tag on it, you think, "Oh yeah, they'll just watch that." My my ten year old can just right. watch Daredevil. That that won't be bad. Me- meanwhile, they break the bed while having sex, right? Yeah. <laughs> But it's kind of like the opposite of Warner Brothers. The the films are dark. The the, the television shows are are lighter and peppier, like Arrow and Flash and stuff. Yeah. How is Agents of Shield. I stopped watching halfway through the first season. It is more interesting than it was. They're building around things that are starting to come to a head, and it, it got a lot more interesting. I stopped after the first two, and then oh. everybody kept talking about it getting better, so I resumed it. I expected it to kind of be my baseline for bad shows. It's it's a struggle to get through, even as even on as a network time runtime on it. it episodes feel long, but it's it's okay. Right. It's better than it's than it was at the start. Do you watch Agent Carter? I do not watch that one. That one just looked kind of boring. So. Okay, let's end with my favorite. Favorite part of Jessica Jones? Can you play the audio file? This is um, this is David Tennant, Doctor Who, Kilgrave. I want cake. <laughs> yes, you will learn that the cake was a lie. I've been saving that one up. <laughs> uh, oh, so while I was watching Jessica Jones, I was thinking 
this feels like a lot of work, but this would be perfect on an airplane. Netflix shows should Netflix should license its shows for airplanes because a flight from the West Coast to Asia crossing the Pacific is about 11 to 13 hours. And that's basically the whole run of Jessica Jones. And you could just get on the plane and just burn through Jessica Jones if you don't want to sleep on the plane. Uh, whereas like currently when you get on airplanes, it's weird how they, all, they just have random episodes of serialized shows. They'll like, get like... Everybody loves Raymond season four. Well, like with sitcoms, it's a little easier. You could just pick out sitcom episodes to show. But when they have like dramas, like The Affair season one, episode seven, Parenthood season five, episode three and four, you're um, really gonna understand those. Yeah, it's it, it's weird. Like I I wonder maybe they is there like is there a committee that tries to pick out episodes that you can just jump into? How do they decide on what episodes of these shows get appear on the entertainment systems? I agree. There's an untapped market to let you know that between your takeoff and landing you can watch an entire run of something that actually seems like a pretty good way to yeah yeah like um market uh california like if you find cross country like california new york it's about five hours you get through all master of none right so maybe maybe that's a market for netflix if they're worried about subscribers license from netflix all right let's end with you you texted me this week bummed that jonah ray would be taking over Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. Why are you why are you bummed? Cuz I don't think he's that funny and he hasn't proven himself in anything else to to get such a high a high property. I would consider a pretty that's a pretty good get for somebody who hasn't yeah. really done a whole lot. So, I've I just a few thoughts on this. Like one, how how vital is MST3K in 2015? Like I feel like People, you know, live tweet stuff all the time. I, do we do we need this forum of these people? Well, it's, a, it's doing do, doing the same thing that a lot of the internet already does. Yeah, it's a formula that now plays out in real time with all events. Like that includes the news or like award shows. I mean, it just can happen on anything via Twitter, especially. Or, or, or even even after the fact, you have those. I think honest trailers or. You just have YouTube videos of people going and picking apart all the stupid things in a film. And I just don't know how vital MST3K is. Um, I I think it's one of those things that people look back on nostalgically and are thinking it's more important and needs to exist still when it really, you're right, when it it doesn't. Yeah. And then secondly, I have friends who worked with Junere and who loathe him. So you're, you're not wrong on your blind assessment of him. I remember like listening to it was a nerdist podcast i think it was with andy sandberg where he was just completely unbearable i hate when he raves about oh you should see this indie film or oh i'm seeing head wound city at the echoplex tonight his brand of cool can be overbearing (laughs) to me but i think jonah ray is younger than us too which is the sad part i just pulled up his imdb just to make sure there wasn't any tidbits in here i wanted to to use oh yeah uh, it looks like he was August born in 6, 82. 1982. So he's, he's my age. He, yeah, he's uh, a little younger than me. You know what's depressing is just finding out all these TV, all these people who write TV recaps are younger than me. They're in their 20s or they just turned 30. This is one guy, his, av- his Twitter avatar. It's a bald dude with a five o'clock shadow and glasses. 
And I thought he was like 40 something. And he's like, hey, it's my birthday. I just turned 30. And I'm thinking, geez, I'm, thir- I'm three years older than you. Well, my girlfriend <laughs> just figured out that uh, Adele is younger than her. So well, that, that kind okay. of hurt her feelings a little bit. She felt not Cry, cry me a river there. Yeah. Well, I think she thought she was like 40. And speaking of Jonah, San Francisco Sketchfest, the San Francisco Comedy Festival announced its lineup this week. A tribute to Waiting for Guffman. A tribute to Pat Patton Oswalt. A tribute to Patton Oswalt. Can't he just be there and do his own thing? Does he need a tribute? He's not dead. All right. Oh, Hot Shots, 25th anniversary with the two of the team members who aren't the, David Zucker, who didn't go so nobody, completely off. So the two people off. who don't even matter. Well, no, Jim, right. Ab- Jim Abrams, I think, was the director of Hot Shots. Uh, I, think, I think Jim Abrams split off from the Zucker brothers to do Hot Shots. Oh, okay. And, then, you know, looking back, Hot Shots, everyone always thinks of the second one. This, the first one is kind of middling, so... Yeah, anything you ever oh. see or reference would probably be from the second one. Hook, 25th anniversary screening with The Lost Boys' is Rufio and Don't Ask. <laughs> and what I wanted to point out, though, was this buried here, a Weezer-themed, Weezer-themed comedy from Jonah Ray and Jacob Siroff. <laughs> how, how, does, how does that work? Weezer-themed comedy from Jonah Ray. Do you just play a, a couple of their last albums and laugh? That's it. There you go. Rimshot, Michael Rappaport laugh. <laughs> Weezer-themed comedy. There you go. Well, and I noticed uh, that who's in this? Who's in the band? The band is called the Undone Sweaters. Yeah, this is also a Weezer cover band with four people I've never heard of. <laughs> no, no, no. Danny Tamborelli oh. from The Adventures of Pete and Pete is in this band. Okay, that's, so it's like that's uh, what it says here. Danny Tamborelli. Like, I just that name looks familiar. That <laughs> it's like Macaulay Culkin's pizza-themed Velvet Underground that, cover yes. band. So that's it for this episode. Happy Thanksgiving, and if you want to you send any- us questions or comments. Reach me on Twitter at Adam Riffs with an S at the end. And you can reach me at uh, Zombieologist. And then also we have uh, an email address if you'd like to tell us how awful we are. It's backwashaudio at gmail.com. And if you would like to hear us talk about something, send it our way. We'll see you guys in the next one then. Do the Mario swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go. Do the Mario. Take one step. And then again, let's do the Mario all together now. You got it. It's the Mario. Do the Mario. Swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go. Do the Mario. Take one step. And then again, let's do the Mario all together now. Come on now, do